0: I'm Jennifer Isabella and I'm Carrie Johnson your co-host for Forrester's podcast what it means where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities today we're joined by principal analyst Dan Bieler to discuss the rollout of 5g in Europe specifically welcome Dan
1: thank you very much for having me
0: so before we go into the specifics of the rollout in Europe How is the rollout of 5G different than, say, the rollout of past cellular standards?
1: Well, it's it's different in several ways. First of all, it's important to remember that 5G is not coming in one big bang because the standard itself is released only in a piecemeal fashion. So there is a standardization entity called 3GPP, and they define specific features that overall make up 5G bit by bit. Bit by bit in this case means um, 12, 18 months at a time. And particular key features of the 5G standard will be released. And based on this, then we can see the handset manufacturers and the network equipment vendors to start designing and building and rolling out 5G network infrastructure overall. This is quite different to what we have seen in the past And it also means that the 5G arrival is a really drawn out process between last year and anything between 22, 23. So it's it's a long drawn out process, which really makes this entire exercise um, quite different from the past. In addition, it's really a software story as opposed to new hardware being defined here and designed. And then the last element that is worth mentioning here is that certain um, components such as network slicing and the use of private network infrastructure, which have been around in 4G, will be much more pronounced in 5G.
2: Can you also explain the investments on a company side required to even take advantage of 5G? I think it's an important point here in not just the sort of what you think of as the external or public rollout, but even the internal pieces required to offer services and take advantage of 5G?
1: Well, as a business, you you obviously have to, first of all, think of the use case. What do you want to achieve to satisfy a particular customer requirement? What do you want to address from a process perspective to make a particular process more efficient, for instance? And based on this, then you have to ask yourself, what are the connectivity components that are required to achieve this, and what are the connectivity types and technologies out there? Because there is, of course, 4G, there's 3G, there is Wi-Fi, there are different IoT standards, NB, IoT, LoRa, Sigfox, and so on. And 5G is just one of many options. And of course, there's a cost attached to 5G because you need to buy 5G-capable devices. You might need to invest in your own 5G network infrastructure. You might have to work with a carrier to redesign your network, your enterprise network in your factory environment or your sports stadium and so on. So there are costs attached to it. And if there is not a clear return on invest that you can see based on the calculations that you make, then you might be reluctant to invest in 5G and you stick with the existing technologies. So the, the whole return on invest is a big question mark mm-hmm. hanging over 5G because there are quite a few alternatives. And in discussions with enterprise customers, we, we hear quite often that they are not absolutely desperate for 5G. There are, of course, very specific use cases where only 5G will suffice, but there are plenty of other use cases where there are alternatives.
2: That, that does kind of lend a question of whether this might be one of the most overhyped technologies in the last 20 years. Although, let's put
0: blockchain, blockchain up there. there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well. what Dan yeah. just said reminds me of a conversation I've had with Martha. Around you know. blockchain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: Is that fair? And, and this is coming from, obviously, folks who, I mean, let's get into the ROI discussions and some amazing use cases in a moment. But just as a person, I'm looking at this from the outside. It just screams overhype.
1: Well, it's it's always a question of um, how excited do you get at what time. Overall, 5G is a really drastic cut with previous network technologies because it's completely software-defined. There are capabilities, features like this super, super fast broadband, the ability to connect up to a million devices, or sensors in a square kilometer to have super low latencies in the region of one to five milliseconds. No other cellular technology can deliver this. And as I said earlier on, this will not come in one big bang. It will come over the coming years. And therefore, I agree with you. Right now, it's overhyped because we don't have lots of the features and the functions that 5G promises. But longer term, 5G will dramatically change the landscape how we Think about connected devices, whether it is containers, whether it is individual products, whether it's cars, airplanes, clothing, and so on. So the the potential to connect Mm. so many more devices than what we have today will change business processes, will change customer experiences at all levels. And so from this perspective, it's not overhyped, but um, today we, we, we don't see this yet, and therefore um, we get maybe, uh, or some people get a bit too carried away today <laughs> in terms of the 5G potential.
0: So in this conversation, my head goes to skills. Are there new skill sets required to put that proposal together, or is there something to be said about talent here? You need to acquire or upskill your talent to take advantage of 5G.
1: One element is, of course, that you have different regulatory environments in Europe, So, 5G is regulated on a national basis by the telecoms regulators. Mm -hmm. And there are different time frames for when the spectrum is being licensed. And there are different approaches and requirements in terms of the rollout specifics. But importantly, um, there are some countries in Europe that look at the potential of allowing businesses to bid for spectrum and build their own 5G network infrastructure. So for instance, think of a large automotive OEM. In Germany, for instance, the telecoms regulator has set aside spectrum that you need in order to broadcast um, over the 5G um, technology. And so uh, automotive manufacturer could, in fact, then set up Uh, private 5G network infrastructure inside um, its factory environment and run it privately. The benefits are that you have um, complete control over the the traffic, so the traffic is not leaving the factory, which gives you much greater security. And also, um, there is actually um, a lot of talk that companies are interested in this particular approach because of industrial espionage. And in addition, the risks of having uh, a breakdown in the network are slightly lower because you have your own service technicians on site and it might only take a few minutes to fix the network. And so the downtime of your assembly line might be much less affected than if you rely on an external third-party carrier or network vendor to fix the network, which might take an hour or an hour and a half, which is much more expensive, of course. So the, the point about mm. Europe is that the regulator has set aside specific spectrum that really can only be used by industry or by entertainment companies, um, whoever wants to bid for it, really. And this is quite interesting. So a lot of other countries are following this quite closely because potentially this could provide... These companies with uh, an advantage, for instance, if you think about um, industrial automation systems, if you have your own network and it's such great reliability that you obtain because it's your own network, you might over time create a competitive advantage over other firms that rely on the standard 5G network. And so this is a, a hotly discussed issue right now in Europe.
2: I, I bet. I mean, you use the word bid, so I assume this is sold at auction. Correct, yes. I could see there's just being so many competitive challenges associated with that, and unless it's highly regulated there, too, though, right? I mean, what's happening so far there?
1: So the, the goal of the regulator is to create a level playing field for the likes of startups,
2: mm-hmm.
1: agricultural businesses, um, SMBs and industrial enterprises. So it's not just aimed at the largest corporations here, but also at much smaller players. Um, The the way it works, and it's not 100% um, set in stone, but that you provide a proposal to the regulator, the regulator looks at it, and then decides who should get what kind of spectrum and for how long. And if you don't stick to your promises, then they take the spectrum away again. Um, It's it's less... um, brutal, the system, then it sounds because (laughs) you can't obviously use the the spectrum twice. So if you happen to have a factory in one geographic location, nobody else can use it because only you have the factory. But if you are a startup in another area, then only you can have the spectrum because you can't build a a factory on top of the places where the startups operate.
0: Got it. What about Europe specifically is making this unique or potentially more complex? Is it Regulation. What about that market is particularly complex when it comes to five G, or even about
2: maybe moving fast? Yeah, you know, what
0: that business case would be, right? As everyone's kind of scrambling to
2: understand the possibilities.
1: It, it's actually a very good question because it touches on an issue which often was ignored in the past when you talked about the next generation of cellular technology. And five G will bring. A whole range of new possibilities to engage with the customer, for instance. If we think about retail, there will be improved customer online experiences. There will be new ways to engage with the customer. Just think of augmented reality, virtual reality, and so on. And if you are coming from a purely engineering perspective, so the network manager who knows exactly how to roll out the, the 5G network, and then walks away essentially once it's up and running, then you are not addressing the the potential of customer engagement. So if you are a CIO, a CTO in an enterprise and you want to use 5G, you need to reach out to the various different business lines, to designers, to the app developers, to a much broader range of people who will be involved, very closely involved in designing the overall solution that is based on 5G, and therefore, yes, absolutely, there will be many new skill sets that will be critically important for your 5G strategy. It's not just the network engineering part. It's not even just the software part. Design will certainly play a very important role. Also, partner management, because a lot of the solutions will rely on ecosystem partnerships between uh, very broad range of participants. So the, the complexity of skills involved in rolling out 5G solutions and designing these 5G solutions is much broader than what we have seen in previous cellular technologies. And therefore, your question is spot on.
2: In talking about the skills and the tech and the process required to get going with 5G, it seems that it flies a little bit in the face of what's happening right now in innovation in general, people are putting a lot of flyers into the market, right? The, the best way to have an innovation land is to just have a, a good portfolio of small bets, some moonshots, but small bets as well. I'm curious what you think about 5G experiments and if that's even possible, given what you just said about how hard it is to get going.
1: To be honest, right now, every approach to 5G is an experiment, I'm a part maybe from having the plain vanilla connectivity of a branch office to a central headquarter or so. But other than this, every 5G solution is an experiment right now.
2: Is it an expensive experiment or a low-risk, typical, in my innovation portfolio kind of experiment?
1: It's not for free, for sure, <laughs> but it's within the normal parameters of okay. any kind of new technology that is being rolled out. You don't have to cover... Um, if you're a carrier, for instance, the country from um, north to south, from east to west, in one go, you go literally street by street and you see how the demand is picking up because let's not forget the number of 5G-capable phones, for instance, is not very high and the penetration rates of the population that has these phones is very, very small. And on top, if you're business um, you you limit your 5G experiments to areas where you, you know the 5G coverage is there because there's no point to run a 5G experiment if the coverage isn't even there. And if you want to bring 5G into your own factory environment or your sports stadium, then this is not so different to covering it with uh, another form of um, wireless technology, whether it's Wi-Fi or some other form of wireless technology. Of course, it's, it's a little bit more expensive because it's very early stage, but the prices for 5G will also come down. But if you don't experiment with 5G, your competitors might develop some insights that are very valuable over the medium to long term. So you can't ignore 5G. You need to start to look at it right now.
0: Which I think is sort of a perfect segue into, we alluded to some use cases um, you know, throughout this conversation, but digging in a little bit more, there you had referenced retail previously, Dan. So maybe you can share a few use cases for that um, for that industry.
1: Sure. So in retail, the most basic five G use case that we come across is to have a more cost efficient store connectivity. So literally using the five G connectivity to connect a retail store, to a central database, or a headquarter office. That's very basic. And the idea here is to get this done at a lower cost than if you would use another form of connectivity. Another area where there is quite a bit of excitement is to use 5G for better supply chain transparency. And here the companies are looking at the potential to use the 5G feature of being able to connect many, many more devices than in the past in a certain limited geographic area via 5G. It's up to a million sensors or assets in one square kilometer. And this is a very large step up from the capabilities that 4G, the previous cellular generation, would bring. And this, of course, allows you to put a tag on each container, on each item in the container. It allows you to track the inventory that you have in your stores so you have a much clearer insight into um, the supply chain in, in real time. And this allows you to give the customer much clearer advice on how long it would take for him or her to get a particular part shipped or whether it's maybe in-store or whether it's in another store, so much greater accuracy there. And then there are a lot of customer-facing use case um, scenarios, for instance, the uh, the scenario of having the potential to use augmented reality to show uh, a customer a product in a much more detailed fashion. Then, of course, there is virtual reality where you could mix it maybe with augmented reality um, to see how a particular product that you are interested in would look in a home that you are about to build. And so that the potential here is, is quite wide to use these new technologies that would rely on superfast broadband and very low latency, which are both two key features that 5G supports and change the way how we we think about retail. Also, the potential for voice commerce um, ordering products via Alexa is, of course, possible. But if um, you have a more complex um, solutions where you combine voice with video solutions, then you need more broadband. And again, 5G would be quite a, a, a interesting um, potential technology to use here. And then, of course, um, quite a few companies like Amazon, um, but also Starbucks are exploring the um, use of robotics and drones to deliver products to consumers.
2: It's very easy to see how this helps blend physical and digital in a way that's been talked about for a long time. Um, I'm curious if where you would put your bets on where we see this first and in, in Europe in particular, there's so many possibilities. Um, what do you think is going to be one of the first great use cases that we hear about in Europe that rolls out?
1: I think there's a difference between use cases and great use cases.
0: Uh. So, <laughs> Fair. I
1: think the, the, the first use case I would expect is really the plain vanilla connectivity connecting a branch office, a bank, a retail store with a, a central database or a headquarter office. That is what. I hear from enterprise customers today in the consumer environment. I believe that we will see 5G being used in the smart home context. Mm -hmm. Again, it's really a very simple connectivity story. Um, The carriers are using this to compete with cable operators or to offer 5G where no fiber to the home is available. It's fairly basic, but I would expect these are the, the first use case scenarios. And we see that the the next step of excitement is ramping up as the new standard release cycles are approaching. I mentioned the, the timing issue earlier on. So the next release cycle, which is about to be launched, will define very low latency. And this will get industry very excited because if you want to connect a mobile robot, if you want to have these automated um, vehicles that, um, for instance, deliver um, spare parts um, at an assembly line, they are called automated guided vehicles, or if you think of smart ports, then you need very, very low latencies, not just the super fast bandwidth, which is available now. And so I think that is the next wave of excitement. Um, It's um, connected to the next feature that will be standardized and then Hmm. we see gradually the availability of the the right devices and also the, the network infrastructure will catch up with these new standards.
0: Do you think that'll impact how businesses and leaders are thinking about the return on investment of 5G, some of these forthcoming enhancements that you referred to? It feels like maybe there's still some skepticism, right, of like the return on investment, at least in its current form.
1: Absolutely. And the smart CIOs and CTOs, they are fully aware, of course, of the timing issues involved here. Mm -hmm. And they're actually sitting on the table of the standardization body. They're participating in defining the standards and therefore are very aware of the the timing um, that they need to follow in terms of their own industrial strategy that they want to deploy. It's not something where you, you... put some money on the table, flick one switch, and then um, on um, comes the, the greatest use case. You need to prepare for it. It's a complex exercise to define and design and roll out such a use case, especially in the um, industrial context, um, because you need to redesign processes, you need to redesign uh, skill sets. We talked about this. You need to create interdisciplinary teams. You You need to involve many different parties, and this takes time, so... Um, it does impact the, the financial calculations and considerations, but it is, in, in a way, um, uh, not a big surprise. It's, it's something that the, the participants are very aware of and they're, they're planning based on these different um, floating parameters.
0: So Dan, considering all of the inputs during today's conversation and things like the timing of enhancements and what have you, what are a couple pieces of actionable advice that you'd be giving CIOs today?
1: Biggest advice would be don't wait until 5G is fully ready before you start to look at 5G very carefully. Yes, it sounds like a hype right now and there will be a lull, no doubt. But it will take much longer than the rollout of previous cellular technologies to really ramp up your internal capabilities to deliver exciting and innovative 5G services over the medium to long term.
0: Great. Thanks for joining us, Dan. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.